Welcome to So What Else. My name is Caitlin Elliott and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, the big important things they've been through, and also the random stuff. We're going to talk about it all here. This podcast is just me talking with fascinating people so that we can all hear what they have to share with the world. So what else? Hey guys, this week on the pod, I have my cousin, Lauren DiMatteo Werner. Some of you might remember her from episode two when she was on an episode called Glory Days. So if you haven't heard that one, definitely go back and listen. It's a really fun time. On that episode, Lauren had opened up about her struggle with postpartum depression. So I asked her back this week to just kind of talk about Um, her general experience with anxiety because her postpartum journey was just like a really small piece of the puzzle for her when it comes to her um, mental health journey that she has been on. She has like tons of really interesting things to share. She talks about a panic attack that she had at work that kind of started the ball rolling for her with pursuing counseling and medication and things like that. We also just talk about a lot of fun stuff like novels and our favorite TV show and it's a really fun time. Honestly, Lauren is my cousin, but she's also one of my best friends. So I laughed a lot filming this episode, and it was a really good time. I think you guys are going to love it. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on the podcast again, Lore. No prop, girl. So everybody, Lauren DiMatteo Werner is back. You are, our, I think you're our first repeat guest. Are you serious? Well, other than Scott, but he doesn't count. And I realize I that I always feel- say that. I feel honored. I, I really do think it is. You are the only one other what? than Scott. Oh, and I always say I feel bad. I know. Like, I feel bad because like when Richard Lee came on, I was like, you're the first guy other than Scott, but he doesn't count. <laughs> and then I'm like, you're the first repeat guest. You're the first repeat guest other than Scott, but he doesn't count. I love him. He counts. He's the best. He counts multiple times. He counts so much. Scott, you count. Oh my goodness. I'm a little mad at you though. I texted you in a frenzy of panic today and you didn't even respond to me. I really don't even know. Oh, the mole? <laughs> I thought after the fact and the nurse already had responded. So I was like, what do I know? Everybody, as you all know, if you haven't listened to the Glory Days episode, which I think is like episode number two, maybe yeah. three, I have to go back and look, but the Glory Days episode is me, Lauren, and Susie. So if you did not listen to that episode, just to fill you in, Lauren is my cousin and Susie is Lauren's sister. So she is also my cousin. And we're on a Marco Polo thread and we call it Glory Days because it's like we're being sarcastic just because it's like we all have really young children and we usually send each other Marco Polos where we're like, you know, a kid is like throwing blocks at our head or something like that. (laughs) So anyway, on our Glory Days group chat though today i it was so cruel like honestly it was such a cruel moment because i had had a delightful morning like truly a delight like i ran some errands by myself i got home and i was like i am gonna have like a lovely brunch on my own i have this like beautiful multi-grain bread from costco that i got the other day that i'm so excited i i toasted the bread i put some avocado on it a runny egg toast like when you toast bread for a sandwich you know you've just like leveled up that sandwich oh 100 percent. it's like you care like you actually totally might as well be a gourmet chef 
Absolutely. So it's like toasty, multi-grain bread and not like a slice of bread. Like it was like fresh from the bakery type of bread, mm -hmm. avocado, a runny egg, some arugula, tomato. Like I was, I took a picture of it. Like I was so thrilled about it. I took a picture of it beyond thrilled. I enjoyed every moment of it living in bliss of like this avocado egg toast. I get down to the last bite and I look down and there is quite clearly an obvious piece of mold on the bread. So I obviously did what any normal person would do. I A, shrieked, then B, spit out everything that was in my mouth. And then C, I texted my mom and my sister and I said, I think this is goodbye because like I might not make it until the next time I see you, I'm probably gonna die. Like I was completely freaked out. Then I texted glory days and I was like, mayday, mayday, emergency. Like I literally just ate like a full piece of bread with mold on it. Like what's gonna happen to me? And Susie was like, take a breath, just throw it out. You're gonna be fine. But what does happen to you if you eat mold? I guess nothing. Cause you're still standing. I'm obviously fine. So no, but this is a shout out for preservatives because that's yes! why mold on it. It's because you said it was the bakery bread. You're 100% correct. It's unreal. You, it preservatives, man. That uh, bread never goes moldy. And that's why my mom always, like the minute she gets bread, she puts it right into the freezer. And she's like, I'd rather just freeze it and then toast it or put it in the microwave or whatever. And when Scott and I got married, he thought that was so weird. Oh, like sense. he was like, who puts bread in the freezer? And I was like, I don't know. My mom just always did that. I freeze Costco bread. Yeah, because it's so much. I can't possibly <laughs> eat the bread. Then it's like you're eating three loaves a day. Like if exactly. we're trying to get through it, like uh, we don't have that many kids. You know yeah. what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like you can't get through this bread before it goes moldy. Yep. Obviously, because of what happened to me today. But don't worry, everyone. I lived. I'm still here right. to tell the tale. So, you know, Lauren, you're about to go away on a weekend away with yeah. your husband to Vermont. Yeah, my husband is in a wedding. <sighs> and not only have we not been away because of COVID, but I don't think we've been away without the kids. Have you ever done that? weekend? No. Like, I think we've done like staycations where they yes. stay at my parents and we're at the house doing like work and stuff. But this is a first for sure. I am so beyond excited for you. Scott and I did one night away one time, like in our four years of being parents, we did one night away, which was lovely. But that's like, we need to do that more. I don't know what like exactly our problem it's giving is. giving me life. Like it really like gave me the life to get through this week. I was like, this is great. I'm going away. And oh my gosh. Cause you know, okay. Another thing that COVID stole from us and I'm not trying to, I know that there's people out there that actually lost loved ones. So I'm not trying to be insensitive. I obviously feel for you deeply if that happened to you. So this is just like me being a dramatic human, but something that stole <laughs> COVID stole from us is that we were supposed to have our cousin Alexandra's wedding in Boston in, I don't know, September of last year or something like that. And we had realized like it was going to be crazy with our children and our husbands and things like that. And so we had basically all decided we were just going to make it like a girls weekend. Remember, it was like yeah. you, Steph, Susie, mm -hmm. me and my sisters were all like, we're just going to go up. We'll leave the kids. We'll leave the husbands back in Jersey and we'll just all go up, get a few hotel rooms, whatever. Do you know how excited I was about that? I know. It, that seems like another life. Like I almost forgot that even like was a thing. I know. And then we didn't get to do it. Dang it. 
And we, when we won't. <laughs> and, we know, and we obviously <laughs> and never, we never will, will. Because <laughs> they got married and, and that's the end of it. That, it the, the dream is dead. It, the dream is dead, <laughs> folks. So, oh, well, moving on. But you're going to Vermont this weekend. So that's really all that matters. I am so jealous, but not in a mean way, in a, in a wonderful way. I, I, I know. Oh my goodness. So what book are you bringing? I know the answer to this, but I want you to tell the group. What book are you bringing to read by the pool in Vermont? I already forgot the name of it. Daisy Jones and the Six. Daisy Jones and the Six. So my friends. Okay. So who suggested this to me? I think it was my friend April. So shout out to April. I think she's the one that suggested it to me. It is unlike any other book I've ever read in my whole life. It's so unique and like a weird format that I'd never read before. And so like the first two pages, I was like, what? And then you just get sucked into it. And so then I even brought the book after I finished it. I think I finished it on vacation. I gave it to my sister's boyfriend. He finished it within the week. I gave it to my sister. She finished it within the week. Like it's such a quick, good read. It's basically like the story of a band. I mean, it's a novel, so it's made up. So Daisy Jones and the Six, it's like a band. And this novel is written as if it's like an interview that someone did with this band, you know, 20 years after they they're not a band anymore and like it's all of the different bandmates like talking about things that went down and things that happened and and their perspective of it and how they got together and how they broke up and but it's so good because it it reads like an interview so you feel like you're sitting there just like reading a magazine i'm i'm super excited because i am like in the i am in the headspace for just like one of those books that sucks you in and you 100%. just fly through the pages yes so i'm i'm pumped i haven't even cracked it open yet i'm literally saving it for that moment save when i sit by the pool and i can crack it open i hope i am not like pumping it up too much i recently okay so like i'm an obnoxious person like i can like 100 admit that when i'm on a kick of something i'm such a pusher of it and like so my sister and my mom right now want to like punch me in the face because I'm like Wait, so I've been like right now so right now I'm pushing like reading novels so I'm like well, basically pushing people to like stop reading like smart people books like put down the nonfiction and like dive into a good novel like it's better than tv like it's so good and so like my sister Emily like hates to read I'm calling you out Em like she hates to read and so I'm like just read this book like please read this book it's so good it's so good it's so good and so then she went with my dad to the hospital the other day to sit in the waiting room right, while right. my mom was getting like her procedure done and they were literally in the waiting room from i want to okay. say 8 8 a.m till almost 8 p.m so it was like almost 12 hours every hour on the hour i was like so how do you like the book how's it going and she was like literally i'm gonna throw it in the garbage can like on the streets of new york city if you don't shut up like she's like i'm not i don't want to read it Oh, but I love it when people read and when they love books because I no, just gave I you know. a book and you loved it. It's just, like, look, this is the thing. This, the nonfiction books and like the self-help books, they're great. But novels, I mean, oh. I, I mean, I'm an English person. You can't like, it's just, you get sucked into this world and it's so amazing. And it just like zaps you out. Like, it's Absolutely. just so great. You get I love it. I literally love it. Like even now, like, Jace is only four, but she has like some chapter books, like where like we've gone through some stints, not every night, but we've gone through some stints where it's like, we'll read a chapter a night. Yeah. And I so much prefer that to like reading a picture book. Wait to read like Harry Potter and the oh. Narnia, like all those to my kids. I can't wait. 
Oh my goodness. And so I just let you borrow, or no, you bought it, but whatever. I just suggested to you to, to read The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. Tell me, did I do a good job of suggesting oh, that to you? Yeah. I mean, I was like, it was to the point where at one point at the end of the book, it was like at, I was reading during nap and then they woke up and then I turned Netflix on so yes. that I could finish reading because I couldn't put it down. It was so, it it's was so, so good okay. for people who are wondering, um, Kristen Hanna, she like famously wrote the Nightingale, which is about like World War II. And so this book, The Great Alone, if you ever read Where the Crawdads Sing, or is that what the name is? I'm looking at it. Yeah, Where the Crawdads Sing. If you ever read that and you loved it, because that was really famous recently, you'll love The Great Alone. It's like this such a cool story about like remote Alaska and like it's the amazing. way people live. And the reason I suggested it to you is because you know someone that's like yeah. out in like the sticks of Alaska right My now. My husband's sibling is in Alaska right now um, <sighs> just for like a couple months working. And I was so intrigued. I wanted to know like what the landscape was like. So I- And I was like, you should totally read this book. Totally sucked in. It was so cool. And it's so, so good. Yeah. So- raging raging reviews for the great alone daisy jones and the six and then i just ordered Kristen hannah i don't know if it's new the four wins or something like that or the i don't know i literally just got it in the mail i'm so them. out of the fiction world i've been like so submerged in in non-fiction stuff and so i i'm just so ready for this i'm so ready for this fiction journey to be i back. just I love, I love that journey for you. I love this journey for me. I just, I love the fiction journey. I am here for it. Yo, if you're listening to this, follow me on Goodreads. I love following people on Goodreads. Is that what it's called? The app? Yeah. Goodreads? Yeah, and because yeah. I really genuinely, like if, like I reached the end of like the, like I had ordered a few books on Amazon and then when I finished them, I was like, dang, what should I read? And I just like yeah. checked my friend's Goodreads and I was like, yeah. oh, oh, that looks good. That looks good. So I try to log all my books on there. But a, a piece of shame that I do have in my life is that like I genuinely genuinely struggle hardcore with reading nonfiction to completion like any nonfiction book now you don't we're gonna get to that in this episode like you read nonfiction like zoom zoom like you zoom through them I do but I have like a major nerd streak like I feel like <sighs> I could have gone to school forever it I, oh thing to me like I read it before bed but sometimes it gets old and I need it I just I needed a break I sure. just like I really really struggle like if I'm being honest like in a moment of transparency here like I don't remember the last like nonfiction book that I fully read cover <laughs> to cover like between like parenting books or spiritual books or you really marriage don't books you don't need to because podcasts you're and right social media break down so many of the of the things like it's really just more detailed versions of what you can get in small that's cases. a really good point you just made there so I mean I do have nonfiction books and I do read them like in snippets do you know what I mean like I almost read yeah. them like articles right yeah. like I'll be like okay that was a good snippet that I underlined and I'll think about later but I don't like read like I said word for word cover to cover it's a struggle for me you're probably in the majority Kate honestly yeah I guess I mean I just like feel bad because I do want to like learn more and grow more but I can't help it Kristen Hanna has these novels that take me away yeah you, you can't help it you really can't mm, I just love it I just love it all right so the reason that I wanted to have you back on is because a lo I love you Yay. but b 
last time when you were on, we talked a lot about your like postpartum depression journey, mm -hmm. like specifically after your first daughter. Yep. And I thought that that was like very beautiful, helpful, like the way that you shared. But I do feel like it's only a small snippet of your actual entire like mental health journey. Oh yeah, for sure. And so I feel like there's so many people out there that are like, oh, that's all well and good, but like, I've never had a baby, you know what I mean? So like, I don't really, I can't relate to like postpartum depression or things like that. And so Lindsay Lagan and I, in our episode, we definitely touched on the anxiety topic right. um, deeper, but I wanted to really have you come back on and kind of share like your full picture story of your entire like kind of life journey with anxiety and things like that, just because I think that there's so much more to it. I feel like the postpartum part of it was just a very small part. Right. And so I want you to kind of share like the whole thing. Cause I think that that would be really impactful for a lot of people. I would try. Okay. <laughs> and, and obvi an obvious disclaimer to the world. This is obviously just one person's story, just like every episode that we have here on So What Else. It's one person's experience. We are in no way pretending to be doctors that are trying to diagnose you. Oh, heavens, like, do not think that I'm a doctor because I just admitted to you that I can't finish nonfiction books. <laughs> but this is just a like a story of that I think will be really helpful to a lot of you. So you're obviously my cousin. I've known you for my entire life, yes. but I never remember being at all aware or in tune to the fact that like you battled anxiety or anything like that until we were like in our twenties and you took like a leave of absence from work. Yeah. And that was like the first time that I was like, what is going on here? And then it became, you know, something that I understood better. So I would love for you to kind of like take us back, tell us that story of what led you to taking like a leave from work. But obviously you're probably gonna have to back it up further than that right, and right. kind of start at the beginning. So just well, take it away. Like, it's, it's funny to me that like, even like you're saying, we've known each other our whole lives. And I took that leave of absence from work when I was 25 years old. So like, yeah. think about all of the time we spent together before then. And I think when I had to take that leave, like you and others were kind of shocked. Totally. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I was like, what happened? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. So I feel like my, with, for my story, it's been a lot of like struggling with mental health stuff in private, like mm -hmm. almost like I had anxiety in plain sight, but you would never know looking at my life on paper yeah, yeah. Um, or even just like talking to me in conversation. It would come out like in private. Um, I really kept it under wraps because um, I was embarrassed and I could tell like in conversation that uh, people weren't as amped up as me. So mm -hmm. I would try to like match their affect if that makes sense. But I think what I, I'll get to that story in a minute, but I think what I kind of learned from all that is like emotions are tricky. Mm -hmm. They, you can keep them down for a long time, but eventually they're going to come to the surface. Mm. Um, and so it was kind of like this situation where I was kind of going a million miles an hour trying to ignore what I was feeling. And then it all just kind of came to a head. Mm. Um, so yeah, so what happened was when I was 25, I was teaching high school English 
Um, and it was my fourth year teaching. And I mean, if I'm being honest, like I never loved teaching. It wasn't like my favorite thing. Um, but I mean, I would talk to other teachers and everybody seemed to be kind of complaining. So I was like, all right, like, <laughs> right. This, isn't, this isn't a dream job. This is normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's highs, there's lows. Yes. Um, but like I said, I had been low key struggling with anxiety and actually like obsessive thoughts, which I found out later my whole life. And I was really good at covering it up and I, I didn't know. So this year I had a class that just really unnerved me. Like mm. it just really got under my skin, but there was nothing like particularly deviant about them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't mm. like I could tell you some horror story. They were just, just a bad class. Yeah. They were just yeah, yeah. teenagers, like junior boys who didn't care about the great Gatsby. They were like, who cares? <laughs> I mean, can you blame them? Right. And so I just gener- generally felt disrespected and big picture. I think I just felt like a sense of powerlessness in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to other teachers and I went to my supervisor. I went to my parents, like, you know, I'm really struggling with this class. And basically the advice I got was like, you can do anything for 40 minutes, just plow on, don't take it so seriously. Um, and I just had this sense like that people were not understanding when I Mm. said I'm struggling with this class. It wasn't like your typical, like I'm struggling with this. It was like, right. No, you don't understand. Like this is consuming me. Like Mm. I think about it night and day. Uh, it's affecting my sleep. I'm not eating. I can't handle anything extra. I'm like in tears driving to work. Um, and it got to the point around October, I didn't tell anyone, but I was like starting to have something called suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. which is basically like you aren't planning to commit suicide, but you like fantasize about it. Like mm-hmm. I would be driving in the car and I would literally think like, it was a Sunday and I was like, I can't go to work tomorrow. Like it would just be easier if I just drove off the road mm. and I didn't tell anyone. So I didn't, cause I was embarrassed, mm-hmm. but honestly, if I had told someone, they probably would have brought to my attention, like, Oh no, something's wrong. Right. Like, this is not like a normal reaction to mm-hmm. teaching. Um, so anyway, I was like white knuckling it through. And then one day, I don't know why it was this day, but it was like right before Thanksgiving, break the bell rang they came in and I like blacked out like I just I didn't pass out but I don't remember what happened I was sweating and I couldn't breathe and I felt like cold and I felt like I couldn't hear properly and I just walked out of the room with them in the room still and I walked down to the end of the hallway and I got my supervisor and I was like I'm sick I need you to go in there and I went into the bathroom and I shut the stall and I just was like sobbing, hmm. like and crying. And what I realized later was like, I was having a panic attack. So then I just stayed in there till the period ended. And when my supervisor came out, I told her like, I'm really sick. I need to go home. Um, and I left and I went home. All right. So you said you were sick. Obviously she bought it. Like you were probably just yeah. like, oh, like I don't feel good. When you got yeah. home, what did like, were your parents like- what are you doing here? Yeah. I was living at home at the time, um, which was a really good thing. Um, I didn't feel like it was a good thing at the time. I was frustrated by that, but thank God I was. And then, um, I just told them, I was like, I, I have to quit. Um, and they were like, well, you're not quitting. Um, and I was like, I'm 25. I can do whatever. (laughs) Like I'm, I basically, I literally said to them, like, I was like, I, 
I want to die. I was like, oh. that's how much I hate work. And that's when, and I was crying. And I think that's when they realized like, oh, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Um, and so thankfully my dad had actually been seeing a psychiatrist for a couple years. So he brought me to see her. Okay. How the whole thing started, the ball started rolling. So what did you tell work? Like, did you, were you like, you just were like, I'm going to take a few sick days and just feel this out. Yeah. I took sick days. Um, and then I went back and I did tell my supervisor what was going on. And so she was a gem and agreed oh. to cover that class for me while I was figuring out, like so, while I was talking to the psychiatrist. Like, so you were like, back at work and yeah. you would teach your other classes and she yep. would teach that class. Yep. And the weird thing was that I was completely fine doing the other classes. It was just that period. And knowing that she was going to be in there and I wouldn't have to see them, like I, I could do the day. So did, okay. Were you wondering about like, were other teachers like, why the heck does Lauren get so-and-so to cover her class? No, it was so brief. It was like only for like two days. And then I saw oh. the psychiatrist. Okay. Okay. So when you went, okay. So you went to the psychiatrist and yeah. like, what were you hoping, like, had you ever been to one before no. or a counselor or anything? No, I had no idea what was going on. Um, but I told her everything and she kind of took me back and like, kind of wanted to hear a little bit about my history. And then when I was done, she was just kind of like, you have an anxiety disorder. I want you to go on medicine, but it takes time for the medicine to calibrate. So it would be good if you could take a leave of absence from work. And so New Jersey has the Family Leave Act. Mm -hmm. So I was able to um, like explain to my principal what was happening. And like legally they had to give me, I was tenure at the time. Mm -hmm. So legally they had to give me the three months. So I took three months off from work and saw a counselor once a week and also was put on an SSRI called sertraline um, and was doing like medication mediation or whatever with the psychiatrist during that time. And, um, it was, it was good, but I mean, it was really hard. Like I felt like a failure. I felt like people were asking questions, you know, like it was yeah. weird. I was like, Oh, Lauren's on a sick leave. Mm. Um, what's wrong with her? You know, like it was like, it's, I feel like there was, even though it was more sh mainstream, for mental health stuff to be out in the open. I feel like it still was, there was, it was stigmatized to a degree. Totally. Um, all right. So a few questions. All right. So you said you were on sertraline and um, that's like the generic version of Zoloft, right? Yes. Yeah. And so what is, you said it's an SSRI. What is that? It's a serotonin um, reuptake, I think is what it stands for, okay. but it basically sends more serotonin to your brain. Okay. Okay. So you're out on this leave. You're going to counseling regularly. You're taking meds. What did you tell your friends at work? I told them that I had like, that I was having such bad anxiety that I couldn't come in. Okay. Um, and everybody was like cool about it, but you know, it, it was still embarrassing. Very yeah. embarrassing. So talk to me about your counselor. Like what kind of stuff did she do with you? And I know that you have, um, like 
uh, you've explained counseling to me in a way that I think is like super healthy that I would love for you to like share with the group, like okay. kind of like what you think of counseling that I think is like really important for people to hear. So, yeah, I mean, counseling changed my life, to be mm. honest. Um, like medicine helped, obviously, but, you know, you had kind of said in the beginning, like that your disclaimer about it not being everybody's story, like some people need medicine, some people don't. Um, but with counseling, I feel like what was cool about it, like the first time I went in the first session, um, we talked about like the specific thing that brought me there, but mm -hmm. then we basically went back and spent two months going through my story, mm -hmm. like my first 25 years of life. Like we talked about my parents, my siblings, um, elementary school, love life, the whole shebang. Like we, we talked about growing up in church when your dad's the pastor. Um, and at first I didn't understand why we were doing that, but like, as we kept going, it kind of became clear to me that what had happened at work, like what happened in the classroom that day was a symptom of something that had been building in me for a really long time. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like what I noticed or what I found during counseling was kind of like, oh, there's more to this than just, I'm a worried person or I'm an anxious person. Mm -hmm. Um, there's more to this than just me sitting on a couch, um, telling my problems to a good listener. Mm. Um, there was actual change happening in my brain. I could get more into that later, but like I, as I've even read more about counseling and then I, I kind of went back to school and got my master's in counseling because what I found was like, there's neuroscience to back up why counseling is so effective. Um, you know, it's like your emotions are experienced in the body because of messages that are sent into your brain and how your brain processes an event. So like, I was basically like barreling through life, not mm -hmm. processing anything I was feeling. And yes, like I was predisposed mm -hmm. to like genetic stuff where I have obsessive thoughts and I was predisposed, you know, there's a history of depression in our family. So mm -hmm. I was going to be set up to not be able to process those things as easily as someone else might, mm -hmm. but going back through counseling, it wasn't just me sitting there venting or, you know, talking about a bad dream. Like mm -hmm. she was literally taking me through events in my life that I had never processed. Mm -hmm. And then as I was processing them, it was changing the patterns in my brain. It was changing mm -hmm. how I was emotionally responding to those things. Um, I think I used the example to, uh, to you the other day, like um, when you're going throughout the day, you're moving, 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 and you're hit with a million things, right? Like you open mm -hmm. your phone and you're on Instagram and you see somebody's on vacation and you feel mm -hmm. jealous or, you know, your kid says something obnoxious to you and you, you feel a type of way or you're driving to work and someone cuts you off. And so all of these things are happening. Your brain is processing and your emotions are just building up inside of you. And if mm -hmm. you don't ever stop and pause, you snap at somebody, right? Yeah. Like how many times have we all done that? Like you, you're like, you snap at someone or you react in a way that seems out of proportion to what's happening. That's like a small scale example of what was happening to me. Like, mm -hmm. not that I had experienced some kind of catastrophic trauma, but as a kid, I was experiencing things and not processing them and pushing them down and being like, well, this shouldn't bother me. Well, mm. you know, this is, and then it built up, built up, built up. And then 
it all came to a head and came to surface like in that moment. So that's what she did with me in counseling. She worked me through like the, the triggers basically like yeah. back to my past to lead me to unpack the triggers. I really, really love that. I just think that like counseling is so misunderstood. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, and people just think like, no, it's just really good to be able to pay someone to have to listen to you. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And it's like, like I could talk to my friend on the phone for that. <laughs> but there's a thing that a counselor can do with you that your untrained friend, you know what I mean? Like can't oh necessarily. God. Yeah, exactly. Like we're both verbal processors, right. but I mean, that was half the problem for me because I was verbally processing with my mom, with mm -hmm. my sisters, like people who were just going to tell me the same things over and over again. Like I yeah. was really coming up with my own feelings and thoughts. I was sifting my feelings and thoughts through them. Yes. Yes. I love that. So I want to backtrack a little to the meds conversation. So oh. when she was like, I want you to go on, you know, sertraline, blah, blah, blah. Were you kind of in a place where you were like, yes, absolutely. Give it to me. Or were you kind of like, oh no, I don't think I need. So it's interesting. At first I was really excited about the medicine and not excited about the counseling. The counseling okay. seemed like hard work. It mm -hmm. seemed like annoying. And the medicine seemed like an easy fix, like mm -hmm. pill and I'm going to feel better. But then when I actually had to start taking the medicine, I did start to have some like, I don't know if shame, shame feels like an extreme word mm. to say, but I felt a type of way about it is all mm -hmm. I can say. Um, I, I feel like some of it had to do with like spiritual stuff, like mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, like, you know, growing up in church and stuff you know, you just feel like, oh, like God should be able to help me with this. Like mm -hmm. I'm not trusting him. I don't have enough faith. Um, so I was struggling with it from that standpoint, but, um, I, I did actually work through that. That's actually a weird, there's a weird connection there to how I like first talked to my husband. Tell us. <laughs> it's like, we love this. So, it's so, corny and strange that like mental health <laughs> brought us together literally you told me this today like i didn't even know this story and like how much time have i spent with you and craig like i didn't even realize that this it's was like so weird so i when i started taking the medicine i started having these because actually so this is a little bit of a fast forward but as i was on my mental health journey a psychiatrist did eventually diagnose me with OCD, okay. um, which I don't like have the compulsions, but I get caught in obsessive loops. Okay. And one of the obsessive loops that I get caught in, it's called scrupulosity, I think in the DSM, but basically it's religious obsession. So like oh. obsessing that you're sinning, obsessing that like you don't actually believe what you thought you believed. Um, right. So oh, you did that I, the other day. Yes. Yeah. You remember that? What did I say? God, you were, you, this is okay. <laughs> this is an aside, but Lauren was like on Marco Polo. Like I'm obsessing about this thing because I feel like I kind of like sinned and it's like, I'm like obsessing about it. Like maybe God's going to smite me. And Susie <laughs> comes on and she was like, well, Lauren, honestly, I feel like God smites us every day with our children's behavior. So just <laughs> consider yourself smote. <laughs> I was like considered smote. 
Check. Uh, we don't really believe that, everybody. We don't nope. believe that God is smiting us. Really bad theology. Yeah, um, not that's not what we believe, but yeah. it's funny in the moment. So anyway. So yeah, on. all that to say, I was having like a lot of like feelings of like, oh, like if I need this medicine, it, could it mean I'm not praying enough? You know, like those yeah. are the kind of things that you start to obsess about. Yeah. Um, and it's not just like the norm for me, it wasn't just the kind of obsessing where it's like someone told me, no, you don't have to worry about that. And then mm -hmm. I would stop thinking about it. I could not right. stop thinking about it. So I, there was a woman who was mentoring me um, who was going to my church. And I told her about that, that I was like struggling with that. And she's like, oh, you should talk to my nephew. Um, he recently was diagnosed with OCD and is on medicine. And he just dealt with this whole thing. Um, he could probably be really helpful to you, but he lived in Pittsburgh, as we know. And we Pittsburgh. live in New Jersey. Yeah, and who wants to- Where is Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh? <laughs> what is Pittsburgh? I couldn't even have told you where it was on a map at that time. I didn't know how to spell it until very recently. We've who talked... knew there was that H in there? Oh my gosh, the silent H. And we've talked about this. Like, if you grew up in the New York, New Jersey area, <laughs> you know, like New York, <laughs> Boston- that's it. Yeah. Disco, maybe? No, it's like East Coast, West Coast, and yeah. everything else is flyover territory. Like, literally yeah. on a map, could you identify, like, all those just, like, square states that are all just, like, plugged right in the middle? Caitlin, when I first visited you in Colorado and saw oh. what it was, I was like, ah! <laughs> like, I was like, I'm so far! That's, look at how far across the map that is! Like, it really is, like, we don't know anything crazy so yeah all that to say i was like pittsburgh yeah anyway in a weird turn of events him and i ended up volunteering for this like it, it's basically like a children's thing on the beach like mm -hmm. a children's program um for kids on the beach and we did it through church and so he was there we were in different parts of long beach island but our houses kind of came together one day for like a break and he just like came up to me and was like, hey, my aunt told me that like you're struggling with like getting on a medication. I was like, hi, I'm Lauren. Like, you're <laughs> But is that the most Craig thing in oh, the yeah. world? He yeah. showed you his his full self in yeah. that first moment. And I think I was also so taken aback because he's younger than me. He's like yeah. four years younger. So like at the time, I mean, I guess I was like 25, 26. So he would have been 25. I'm so bad at math. <laughs> We're not math teachers. We're English too. <laughs> yes, I just had to count it on my finger. <laughs> Six minus four. Whatever. He was in his young 20s. You so were in your mid 20s. Young, you know, like 22 to a 26 year old. He's in college. I'm like, who is yeah. this right. person talking to me? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So then we, but then we ended up talking for like a half hour on the beach and he was so wise. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wise beyond his years. Yes. An he old soul. Such, he was giving me like such good stuff. Like he was like, God made science, God made medicine. Like this is like how God is choosing to heal you. Like, like so many helpful things. Like it says nothing about your faith. Like you choose to like walk out in courage every day, even though you're afraid, like so many great things. And then he like in six months later, he sent me a book in the mail with like a long note inside. Oh. And Susie was she was like volunteering in the same house as him when she saw it she was like 
Oh. Uh, she like somebody has skills for you. Uh, <laughs> she was like that. She was like he doesn't do that, and I was like, oh well, he's kind of young. And then that is here cute. we are, like, and now you're married with yep. two children. children. So you were brought together because of like your mental health journey. We bonded over <laughs> OCD and medicine, which is Can like the most unromantic thing. But I mean, it was romantic to me. At the time. I was no, I really think that that is so incredible. Honestly, <laughs> like, like we're laughing, but it's so great because think about it. Like if you think about going on a date with someone, right? So if, you, if you're like meeting a stranger and you're going on a date with them or whatever, like you're probably thinking in your head, like, oh, how am I going to tell this person that I like yeah. am like battling anxiety and like I'm thinking about going on medicine and I'm in like this intense counseling. Like, are they going to think I'm weird? How amazing that like that conversation was the first conversation you ever had. So it's like where else like we can only bond further. And it like really helps because another thing about medicine is that it doesn't just stay the same. You have to be in constant mediation with the medicine. Like I've fluctuated the dose. I've been off of it for a little while. I've been, you know what I mean? Like it's talk to me about that a little bit. I will. Yeah. That cause that's a whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. All that to say, even like when I thought about dating someone, like I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to explain to them like that. I see a psychiatrist. Right. And, like, and like, you know, when you're not feeling good, mm -hmm. not your best self. And so like, you know, I was like, I'm going to have to explain to someone like, sometimes it's like kind of dark. Like I don't yeah. want to go get out of bed. And like, he just, Craig just got it. You Understood I mean? that. Like, yeah. Right I just thought explained it. He had no, felt no type of way about it. But anyway, yeah. So the, the medicine is, is hard in the sense that like, you know, I, like I was off of it for a little while when I was pregnant. Um, mm -hmm. It was safe to be on it, but I was nervous. So I, mm -hmm. I went off of it and I was fine. But then after I had uh, Willow, right. like I told you, I had severe postpartum depression. So then I went back on it again um, and it's kind of fluctuated. Like I'll actually just, I'll say that like I recently had to go up in dosage, like even this past month. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was, it's hard. It's always mm -hmm. hard because it always feels, you know, like I always do this thing where I zoom out and I look at my life and I'd be like, and I compare, like, I'm like, mm -hmm. some people have hard lives, Lauren, like, why do you need this? And I just really have to keep reminding myself and like my loved ones remind me. And like, uh, when I, as I like, like, you know, pray and stuff, like I just feel comforted by knowing like, you can't help how your brain chemistry works. Yes. Like you can't, you can't do anything about it. it. You were born with it. And then like, it's years of how your brain is processed things. So it's going to take years of working through it. And so like half, this is what I always say to people who talk to me about like having to go on medicine or struggling with mental health stuff. I'm just like, you have to remember that like, you are like, brave warrior just the fact that you get out the door every day because yeah. you're dealing with an invisible handicap kind of yeah. like you're dealing with something that people don't see they don't see you take that pill every morning yeah um they're not on the calls with your doctor when you're telling your doctor like the crazy thing that you thought mm -hmm. um and but you get up and you function and you love your kids and you love your family you know what I mean like that's yeah that's a miracle in and of itself yeah uh, all right. So 
take us back. So we jumped forward a little bit because we talked about Craig. Go back to the thing. Like, so you're on the leave from work. You're on a leave from work. You're going to your counselor every single week. You're dealing with your meds, blah, blah, blah. How did you get to the point where you were like, I can go back to work? Um, so honestly, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I, when I was on that leave, I was definitely trying to explore any escape route I could possibly. Yes. Find. Um, like anything I could find, but then it got to the point where the medicine did start working. And I think that's the thing about the medicine is it doesn't like change your personality in any way, but all mm-hmm. of a sudden these thoughts that are so overwhelming were like more background noise, if that makes yes. sense. Like 100%. I felt like all of a sudden I was like, okay, I don't want to go back to work, but I could do it. Like it's not going to kill me. Totally. Um, and the fact that I could think that and not feel panicky was like, I was like, oh, something's happening. I I understand that 100% because like I've shared on here before that like I've been on sertraline for about a year and a half and like I was so scared going on it. Like it's going to change my personality. It's going to give me a flat affect. Like right, I'm going right. to be very, which is like kind of hilarious. Like if you know me, because like people <laughs> are like, uh, we would love for you to take it down a notch. Like maybe your dose like isn't quite high enough. Like, <laughs> like I remember actually telling my friends that like, I clearly remember being out to dinner with some friends after I was on the medicine for like a few months yeah. and they were like, how's it going? And I was like, good. Like I was nervous. It was going to give me a flat affect, blah, blah, blah. And my friend joined was like you're good I can assure you like you're you're good (laughs) I promise you affect is in full effect you are fine yeah so (laughs) like but you said it so perfectly it's just that all of a sudden it's almost like putting on glasses like you're just kind of like everything just like slightly comes into better focus, right? Like you are not a different person. You don't do things that you would never normally do if you weren't on the medicine or whatever. Like for me, it was like Scott and I would always, what was it? I think it's like we would always get into an argument on days like when we would travel because I would always be like so amped up about like the kids and the time and what do we have and are we late and are we there yet? And then I forgot this, did you forget this? And oh no, she's crying and that like, and we would always end up getting into an argument on like travel days and like the first time we traveled when I was on my medicine we were fine like was I still it's not like I wasn't feeling stressed like yeah traveling with two small children is stressful obviously but I wasn't like a raging lunatic like I was able to be like this is not the end of the world like it's okay the glasses analogy is so good it's glasses for your emotions yes the emotions are still there yes but you see them in perspective and you're like oh I can function with you. Right. Like, like this is all right. Yeah. Yes. Like you, you're allowed to be here, but you're not going to like rule the day, which right. is what all the advice everyone gives you. Right. Like they're like, well, just like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like, and yes. you're like, no, but it's really not. Like, I feel like I'm being strangled. Um, right. And the medicine suddenly made it so that all the feelings were still there, mm-hmm. but I wasn't feeling strangled. So I think I got to the point where I was like, I think I'll regret not going back. Mm. Um, it was almost like, not a pride thing, but more of like, I got to go back and face this 
and actually see the work that I've done over these past three months. Like I had the privilege of being able to take time for myself and pause. Mm -hmm. So now let me go back and see how I do. And honestly, I'm like, when I think about it, sometimes that gives me chills. Like the fact that I was able to walk back into that room that three months ago, I was physically unable to. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then I finished the year and then I went on to teach another six years before yeah. becoming a guidance counselor. So, and it definitely is a testimony to a lot of things, but I mean, it was medicine and counseling hand in hand, like both. Yeah. I love that. I, yes, I, I think you can do counseling even throughout the year. I love that. I think that's great. So now do, did this whole experience for you, like your journey, did that, is that kind of what led you to go back to school? Yes. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to get out of the classroom. Like I knew that there were things about the classroom that weren't my speed, but I was able to think about it now, like in a more calm, rational way. And I was like, okay, so what's like a logical next step? And I was like, I could become a guidance counselor and I can go back to school part-time. And that's mm -hmm. like, I can work and pay the, you know, the tuition, whatever. So I did that. And then I did do a year in guidance, but I found quickly, like while I was doing guidance that I wasn't getting to do a lot of counseling. Mm, yeah. It's so like, even, yeah. Even as I was doing it, I was like, I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing either. And then I got pregnant with Willow and I decided to stay home with my kids. So I resigned and then I went back and got my advanced certification in counseling and I took the NCE so that eventually my hope is that when my girls go back to school, I can be an, like a counselor outside of schools. That's the goal. I just think that that's so beautiful though, because it's like your story, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that that's really cool how like God clearly used your journey to now lead you like to a new career path, like where you will be helping other people. I think so. Like, I mean, I, I could get super spiritual about it, but like, I feel like when I, what, in going to counseling, I mm -hmm. am processing my story. And as I process my story, I just see God's like, not to be like mushy, but like his fingerprints all over the yeah. story, you know, totally. like I, and it's not like I have this miraculous, like there was a miraculous healing or mm -hmm. like, I feel like the miracle is that I know the extent to which I was suffering mm -hmm. and that I wanted to die. And mm. I feel like God gave me life. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like gave me my life back. Like basically was like, you have a purpose. You, I, I can use this mm -hmm. for you to help people and, you know, be empathetic and to like actually work and understand yourself and understand those around you. So I just feel like it's, actually turned out to be like a blessing. Like I'm weirdly thankful for it. What I say? It's well, scary I, was, to that. I was just going to say that I feel like there would be, you know, some Christians that would maybe use an argument of like, oh, like, you know, you went through this thing and then it's like you were on medication and seeing counselors and psychiatrists that could almost stand in the way of your relationship with God because like you're using those other things, right? And like you talked yeah. about that, how that was your fear, you know, that you were gonna be perceived that way. But I think what's really cool about your story is that it's like, you literally just said how like everything that you went through and like the medication, the counselor, the psychiatrist, whatever, has 
almost brought you closer to the Lord because you see how he was with you yes. through all of those things, which I think is so important for people to hear that it's not like if you go to counseling, that's like instead of your relationship with God, right? you know, like, or medicine, has, whatever. Yeah. And it has given me like, I feel like, you know, when people in my life are struggling, I can say like, I know, like it feels dark. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do yeah. know what that darkness feels like. I was in like an emotional hell. Yeah. Like not even putting it like that's like legit. Mm -hmm. So I, I get it. And I, I feel like I, even like there are verses that kind of like started to make more sense. Like to me, even thinking about things like God walking with someone during a dark time, like God being the God of comfort or mm -hmm. like him being strength and weakness. Like, I feel like I started, my spiritual life grew from it. Cause I started to see like what it looks like, um, to not just be living in your own strength all the time. My own strength failed me like majorly. I love that. Ugh, that was really beautiful. What are some um, resources that helped you? Like obviously counseling, blah, blah. But like, did you have any like really good books or really good podcasts or anything oh, that was like- yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Oh. This is like where, this is what I'm taking a break from because I just spent like way too long in the hole of self-help books. Um, but- Lay it on us. One- podcast that I really like is Adam Young's podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves. Um, and he does, he's a trauma therapist. So he does talk about like more heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm partially interested in it just because of the fields that I'm interested yeah. in, but it's also been really helpful for me. Like there's been a lot of stuff, like personal things that I've like been able to reflect on. Um, I also uh, have read Dan Siegel's Aware. Mm. Um, it's about mindfulness practices. So I know that's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but mm -hmm. it's been be like the mindfulness practices are not woo woo. Like right. they are, they're legit. Like mm -hmm. they like have neuroscience to back them up. They're so mm -hmm. helpful with anxiety, obsessive thoughts, depression. Um, I also read The Road Back to You. Oh, um, yes. Neogram book. Um, and that one was great too. I read that when I was on maternity leave. Um, and that really helped me like work through my story and understand some things. As a minor um, plug for that. Yeah. So like Scott is like obsessed with The Road Back to You. And like, so he has it on audio. So sometimes we'll get in the car and he'll be like, let's just listen to this chapter together. So I have read bits and pieces of The Road Back to You. For people who don't know, we do not have time to get into this today. But <laughs> <laughs> the Enneagram is like this personality thing where basically you could be a number one through nine and we we touched on this in our glory days episode where it's like you read about the different types you could take a test online but you're like really supposed to just like read the descriptions of the different types and kind of like see which one kind right. of you know speaks to you and you realizes those are like your core motiv motivations or like whatever but I think that it's really cool I mean like Scott and I have had amazing conversations just like about our marriage and the way we interact yeah. with one another because of our numbers. I feel like it facilitates really good conversation. And also like, I, I feel like it helped me 
understand like what motivates me with certain things and also help me not to be so ashamed of certain parts of me. Like I think I used to talk very negatively about my fear and anxiety and like reading that Enneagram book, I was like, oh, but there's good things about my fear. Like it helps me be a planner. It helps me like think ahead. Like there's, you know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like it, it brings out like, I don't know. It helps me process some things about myself. Um, Another random thing that people might be like, what? But I honestly don't, this helped me a lot was looking into theories of attachment. John Bowlby is the guy who, um, who came up with attachment theories Mm -hmm. and it helped me unpack a lot of anxiety stuff. Okay. And um, another one that I just read, I just finished, this was my last nonfiction and I put it down and I said, I'm taking a break from nonfiction, was Anatomy of the Soul by oh. Kurt Thompson. This is and like I, heavy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's big. The Anatomy of the Soul is like, the first half of it is all neuroscience and explaining how the brain- Oh, heavens. Yeah, processes emotions, stores memory- but it's so interesting. Okay. So if you're a nerd like Lauren, (laughs) these will be linked for you in the show notes for people like me. When I want to know about this, I Marco Polo Lauren and I say, give me the cliff notes version. Exactly. And that's how that works. And I'm happy to do it. And that's why it's all good that we have different Enneagram numbers and personalities and all that stuff because we can all just help each other in our weaknesses. And I love it. Yes. Uh, Laura, was there was something we skipped? Oh, I did want to ask you, like, how do you feel like this impacts you as a parent? Like, you know, so this has been this long journey for you, but now you have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a husband. And it's like, how do you kind of, I don't know, yeah, navigate no, it, all of this? It's hard because like, I'm for sure not healed. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. it's not like it's gone. Yeah. Um, I, it's an ongoing thing. Um, there've definitely been periods during tax season where Willow has found me in the kitchen like crying on the floor that's yes. for sure happened and I just, just so people know Craig is an accountant and so if you know an accountant you know that tax season for them which is like January February March April they basically don't see their families yes and it's very sad for young moms yes. who yes. are alone in their house in the winter months so like you know I just I'm straight up with her like I just tell her like mom's really worried about this. I'm feeling sad, you know, mm-hmm. but then she watches me move through it. You yes. Know? Which is very um, healthy for her. I think, I think that that's beautiful. Yeah. Cause I've learned like trying to, again, white knuckle it or like hide it is very bad idea. Yeah. Um, and I think something, this is part of what I've been working on lately is also just kind of realizing that like my stuff is my stuff. It's not my kid's stuff and it's not necessarily going to be my kid's stuff. And I really want to do a good job of being well so that I can attune to them Mm. because they're going to have their own needs and their own things. And I don't want to put my stuff on them. I mean, we inevitably will because we're not perfect, but that's kind of been the hard thing um, is not putting all my worrying on them. Um, and I definitely, when they were baby babies, it was hard. Like yeah, I was yeah. for sure like going down Google rabbit holes of like every possible bad thing that could happen when they get sick. Yeah. I really struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of like an obsessive loop that I get mm-hmm. into is like the germs. Um, but you know, I talk to, uh, a psychiatrist and I talk to Craig and I talk to my friends. I have supporter friends and family and, 
I just, you know, try to be honest and um, again, like not put my stuff on them because I just Mm -hmm. don't, it's not, it shouldn't be their burden to bear. Well, I think that like you've done a beautiful job just as someone that is close to you, that speaks to you regularly and that sees you like in this stuff up close, you know what I mean? Like, I really do feel like you are very honest and you do just a really great job of just like owning your stuff, working through your stuff, like working on yourself. Like I just, I really do feel like you're an inspiration to many. Well, it helps to be able to come on Marco and, you know, lose it every now and then. (laughs) Why is Marco Polo not paying us? I don't know. I really don't know. We are their people. I am such a fan of Marco Polo. Throw us a dime. Hello. What does a girl got to do? But for real, it saves our lives every dang day. But it's what we need. It's what we need. Oh, I love it. So what else, Lore? Um, well, besides reading to like, you know, get out of the craziness, um, what shows are we watching? I just started watching Loki. What is that? That's the Marvel. Ugh, I'm sorry. Another moment of transparency and everyone's going to hate me. I can't get into the Marvel stuff. It's okay. It's okay. I was so not into it either. I think I said this the last time we were on. We weren't into it at all. And then Craig and I were like so, like we watched WandaVision. And we had never watched- Well, we'd never watched any of the Marvel things. And so then when it was over, we were like, what was that? Oh, we're confused. Yeah. (laughs) Back and watched it. And then now we're into it. Maybe I should be into it. (sighs) It's just, it's another universe to lose yourself in. Yeah. No, I love that. I think, yeah, I should do that. Maybe I should do that for my husband. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. I think he would appreciate me more. Oh, we need to give a little shout out to our favorite television show. Okay. So I can't even say it because I don't want to have to mark this episode as explicit oh s-c-h-i how do you spell how do they spell it s-c-h-i-t-t-s t-t-s s-c-h-i-t-t-s creek that you have we would have to mark it as i don't i guess i don't know for a fact that i would have to but i also know there's a lot of like young moms with like kids in the car listening so do i hate the name of the show i do and that was i think what kept me from watching it for so long because i always kept feeling like well, then I have to like censor myself around my children or like not have whatever. You know what I mean? Okay. You were one of the pushers that was like, you really have to watch the show. Like, it's so funny. Like, you're really going to like it. And historically speaking, folks, I am not a good like 30 minute comedy oh. type of TV watcher. Like, I to get you on Parks and Rec. I couldn't get into Parks and Rec. Like, The Office, eh. Like Modern Family, eh. like the like all like Friends. I really do like. Don't get me wrong. I I watched all of Friends, absolutely loved it. But it's even... a different sitcom though. It's a different, yeah, the laughing track sitcom. Yes, true. But like even with Friends, I felt like other people still loved it more than I did. And I was like, I think I'm just not a 30 minute comedy type of girl. Like my favorite show is Parenthood. Like love it for all of its deep emotions and drama like that's drama that is who I am I love freaking like Grey's Anatomy well not anymore like it got so annoying but how many seasons of Grey's Anatomy and ER and what like love those shows but when my mom for those who don't know my mom what month are we in is it June (laughs) in February my mom like 
February. I know. So February, March, April, May, June. So we're all, like, it's almost like five months ago. We found out that my mom had brain cancer. She was in the hospital. She had brain surgery, like hot, like worst time of my life in that time. Like, I think it was literally maybe the next day, like after we found out that she had a brain tumor and she was in the hospital, I, my whole family was here while my mom was like in the hospital. And I must've been with my sisters, like turned on an episode of S-C-H-I-T-T-S Creek. <laughs> <laughs> and I am in love with these people. Like this show got me through that horrible, dark, hideous month of my life. Like I would just like so much look forward to like sneaking away and watching an episode of Netflix on my phone of that. And I would laugh out loud. It gave me joy in the darkest time of my life. And every single character is amazing. So amazing. Every single one. And like, honestly, I think Moira might be one of the best TV uh, characters ever created. Ever, ever in history. She is just phenomenal. Uh, She's beyond. Phenomenal. phenomenal. And you can't even explain her. And Whoa. so I... For Halloween, I desperately want my sister Emily to be Alexis and then my brother-in-law Matt to be Ted. Ted. Don't yes. they look they're like them. Yes. Like they are like them. Like I it, if you haven't watched the show, please do yourself a favor. <laughs> it's I it's so like great. It'll it's bring so, so much joy. funny and stupid and ridiculous that like if you're going through a hard thing in your life, like escape to this land because <laughs> so worth it like it so worth your time like so much joy so happy with it and then I <laughs> wanted to say one other journey that I've joined you on that I haven't even told you that I joined you on it yet I know that? I'm like excited um okay I I've been at your house and I've seen on your counter that big canister of collagen peptides oh, from yeah. Costco yeah so I asked my dietitian about it like what is that i see a lot of people have that and she was like oh yeah like i love collagen peptides um they're really great like she's like it's just like a good way to get extra protein like sometimes exactly. just like when we're on the go we don't realize that we're not actually eating like enough protein you know whatever and so she was like you should totally get it so costco has the chocolate collagen peptides what's the brand vital proteins by yeah. vital proteins and i asked my dietitian though like i was like how do i eat this like just in a protein shake or like what am i doing with this and she was like i put a scoop of the chocolate in my coffee in the morning she's like i'll put a scoop of the chocolate in my oatmeal mm -hmm. can i tell you a scoop of that chocolate collagen peptides in my morning coffee what a delight yeah. it's like i'm I having a mocha latte at my house i put it in my in my yogurt too <gasps> what an idea yeah, i love that so good like yogurt with like some granola on top oh my goodness what else so do you good. use it in all right so we have coffee oatmeal coffee, uh yogurt coffee, yeah i don't think i've ever put it in coffee you should you have to put the chocolate in your coffee right, i'm gonna do it tomorrow it's really uh, good the shakes the yogurt um I just kind of sneak it. The the plain stuff, I try to sneak in. So they do have the tasteless one too, right? So yeah. that's a good thing that I've told my mom too because, you know, right now it's like she's going through chemo and everything. She doesn't always have an appetite, you know. And right. I'm like, mom, you should just get the tasteless, like yes. collagen peptides and just like shove it in your coffee, shove it in like your water, like whatever, because it's a good way to just get like calories and that's, protein I've into even, your body. I've put it in iced tea before. Yes. Um, Like you can pretty much put it in anything and it just kind of dissolves and disappears. 
Um, but that's why I got it because of the protein intake. Cause I was like, I know I'm not eating enough protein. Um, cause you know, like sometimes in the morning you like, sometimes in the morning, I feel like I wake up like famished and I'm like, Oh, I want eggs and blah, blah, blah. And then there's like some mornings where you're just like, I don't really like, I don't feel hungry. Like, or I just kind of want like a little like toast on peanut, like with peanut butter, yep. but like, that's not really a meal. Like that's not really enough, you know, like, and so putting some of that in your coffee helps to like get just like a little more nutrients in your body. Exactly. That's, that's why I do it. I'm just like, this is a no brainer. I just, I love it. this journey that I'm on. Oh, I'm really happy I'm so about excited. it. I'm so excited. I'm so, so thrilled about it. Lauren, thank you for being here with us again. No prop, girl. Anytime. Thank you for listening to my story. We love you. And maybe I'll like put, I'll tag you like in the show notes, like your Instagram or whatever. And if someone wants to reach out to you, um, then like if oh, they absolutely. have a journey that they want to, you know, speak to you about, I know you would love to talk to people. Thank I, you. Absolutely. We no love problem. you. Love you. You're the best. Okay, bye. Enjoy Vermont. Woo! Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe right now before you go. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for our next episode. You can catch So What Else anywhere you get your podcasts or at CaitlinElliott.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Artwork by Caroline Chicola and editing and everything else by Scott Elliott. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.